Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Happy Mother's Day to everyone out there and to my co-host, not happy Mother's Day. Happy birthday, Jeff. Uh, I did not do well in the gift department. Uh, No special um, guests that I arranged. I let you arrange the guests as usual, do the work for the show. So uh, you're welcome. Glad we can celebrate. That's that's touching. I I don't I don't know what to do. Like this, this day has just gone so great already. So and that's I I have I have a suggestion for you in the future. And you might want to use, especially like with your spouse or something like that. If you, if you do not get them a gift, yes, don't point it out and don't announce it on the air. Well, (laughs) it's not like I was going to point it out. Oh yes, you were. No, there's wait. Do you think I was going to announce it was my birthday? Let's bring on Keith Pompey. Keith, do you believe? I don't think so. Said something because he's been texting me all week asking if I've got like this guest or that guest. I think we'd have started the show and he got right to it. What do you think, Keith? (laughs) Me no habla inglés. He's still talking about how I don't bring him on vacation. So what are you talking about? I'm joking with you guys. How you how you guys doing? I'm doing good, Keith. I'm doing better than you because... Do you have a gift for me? I mean, since everybody is announcing that they don't have a gift for Jeff, Keith, do you want to make an announcement? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not announcing anything. I'm just saying, like, when I get back from, uh, you know, I, gotta, I have to go out of town. When I get back, we're going to have some uh, something to drink or, or something to eat, so... That's, that's see, be the birthday present. see, that's much better than what Jason offered. <laughs> At least he offered something. I just owned up to the fact I had nothing for you. Keith, are you over the Dallas Cowboys, what they did in the draft? Because I've been enjoying your Facebook page before I get to basketball. <laughs> hey, you know, it was crazy. Um, you know, I was, you know it, it's funny because Jeff and I were texting a little bit on that. And I was like, he could tell that I was a little upset. <laughs> and then he tried to hype up the guy from Florida. Who can be a pretty? I mean, he's probably going to be a good player, but I, I was extremely disappointed. <laughs> I was extremely wait, disappointed. wait, wait, Keith! Didn't you hear that he's the next Tyreek Hill? Yeah, you this. know that's what. Yeah, I mean, and I was, I was watching, I was seeing that. I'm like, come on, dude! Like, come on, come on! You know, but you know, who knows? The uh, I, I hope not for the Eagles, but one of my friends was joking, saying that um, Smith is going to be the next Freddie Mitchell. And I was like, nah, man, don't do him like that. Don't do him like that. <laughs> don't do that to me, Keith. I, Why? I, he, he might have one good catch. I hate to be entertained by your unhappiness, but your Facebook page the last week after they made a trade with Dallas was quite entertaining. I'll bring it back to the basketball court, though. Sixers in good shape for first place in the East. Uh, you had a column today that I enjoyed reading about Joel Embiid and the handling of his minutes. Uh, I wanted to ask you, in the last seven games, he's only played 27.4 minutes. He sat out in fourth quarters, and he commented he thinks it's good and not because he wants to play as much as he can, but make sure he's ready for the load in the playoffs. What's your sense talking to him and how this team is handling Joel Embiid heading into the playoffs? You know, know, it's one of those things where I think he is a little disappointed, but at the same time, he knows. Like, you do. You can't keep affording to get injured. I mean, he knows that. Um, and, and when, like, you lay out everything, like, let's face it, I mean, Joel has been injured in all of his NBA seasons. He has not played a season where he did not miss any times with injuries. In the last three years, he went into the playoffs injured. So, 
you know, as as much as he wants to get his conditioning up, you know, he he did say, hey, this is something that maybe I'm gonna have to do, and and I believe he's going to have to put in some extra work, you know, off the court, um, to to get in shape because they can't afford to play him so he can, you know, get 30 points a game and do all this other stuff. And then the way he falls on the ground all the time, you can't afford to get him hurt. You just can't. Wait, so so are are you suggesting that the Sixers planned this time off, or is it more a situation where because the Sixers have been able to blow out their opponents, I think the last six wins they have averaged about tw- uh, a differential of about twenty one point eight points a game. If I'm right, if, if that's the case, is this something that the Sixers were planning to do, or is this some a situation where because of because they've been dominating their opponents, he's been able to get that rest? You know, it's a little bit of both. And the reason, I know that sounds crazy, but it's real. Uh, and the reason why I'm saying a little bit of both, if you notice all season, whenever they had a sizable lead on an opponent, Doc Rivers took his starters out of the game and was playing the bench. Now, if, if those games were closer, oh, Joel would have played. Like, they would have continued to play. But whenever they get a sizable lead, you know, because Joel comes out at the, around a three-minute mark in the third quarter, and depending on how the, the backup unit plays, it depends on if he's going to come back in or not. So, yes, it's, it's something that Doc has been doing, but at the same time it's one of those things where when you have a guy like Joel who missed 10 games and he's trying to get his conditioning up and he's normally not, you know, he doesn't play as many games in a row as he, as he has, sometimes you want him to go out there and, and, and go that, you know, those five extra minutes just so, you know, he can get his cardio up. So, yeah, if the games are competitive, the Sixers are trying to win, um, but if they're up by a sizable lead, and even in the case of um, the first Milwaukee game, the first one, like they were getting blown out, well, Doc takes them out, and he says sit on the bench and, and rest up. So, yeah, it, it's again, it's something that they've been doing all season, but, you know, right now Joel would like to play more minutes you know, just to get his conditioning up. Sixers have a chance to go three games up in the East with a win over the Pelicans tonight. We saw the Nets lose again. They're fourth in a row last uh, night. Last uh, They're fourth in a row. I can't even speak straight today, Jeff. It's I blame you It's because it's your birthday. Uh, the, they've struggled against the Bucks. What are your thoughts heading into the playoffs on the way the East is shaping up? You know, it, it's weird. Like, I, I think that... You know, when we look at Brooklyn, a lot of people are saying, oh, the sky is falling, look at them, look at them. But, again, they still don't aren't playing with their big three. And they are playing quality opponents, like, you know, teams who have something to play for. You know, those two games against Milwaukee, Milwaukee is a tough team. You know, you can argue that Milwaukee has the most complete team in the Eastern Conference, right? So that one, without having James Harden, you know, you can look at it and and say, okay. Now, this last one was probably like, you know, a loss that they really wouldn't like to lose. But, again, it was a quality opponent on the road. I think that what we'll see is we're going to see, you know, Brooklyn possibly go in there as the third seed. But at the same time, it's still going to be a tough foul because you're saying to yourself, who are teams going to guard? Now, you can also say, well, what about continuity? You know, these guys – these guys haven't played ball in a while together as a group. But at the same time, you know, I think that they're all good enough to be able to win some games. So, you know,
know, my thing is I look at the Sixers. This is great for the Sixers just because they're going to have the easiest path of the three to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. But to me, that still doesn't mean that the Sixers are guaranteed to come out of the East. You know, so, you know, it's great for them to get the number one seed, but at the same time, I still think that Brooklyn is going to be a tough out in the playoffs. If you had to predict, let's say everything stayed the way it is. Let's say the Sixers actually coast through these next this next week of games, and in the two and three seed is the Nets and the Bucks. Do the Bucks have the firepower? If the Nets are healthy, I know that's a big if, but if the Nets are healthy, do the Bucks now have the firepower and the defense to stop that big three? You know, that's a great question because, you know, you, you look at it and they have some guys who are, you know, aren't fearful and, and they have some quality two-way players. My only question is it's is hard to, to say that because we have yet to see the big three in action together. At least, I mean, we saw, I mean, they played seven games, but that was so early. That was a while ago. But, you know, my thing is it's not really the big three. Is the big four, and the big four to me is, is the fourth guy is Joe Harris, and and the reason why I'm calling them big four is because you know when you have someone focusing on those three guys, and you're leaving like a fourth option or a fourth best defender on Harris, right? I'm I'm looking at it like he's going to torch you with the threes. So that's my thing. Like, yeah, you can shut, you could possibly try to contain those guys. You're not going to shut them down. But who's going to defend Joe Harris? And I think that he's the X factor, you know, for Brooklyn getting past um, the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, can you stop him? Now, if you have an answer for him and and you can contain the other ones, yeah, they have a chance. But, again, we also got to realize when we talk about Milwaukee, you know, Giannis still hasn't gotten over that hump. So he's, we're going to have to see what he can do in the playoffs. It was great that he was scoring a lot of points and knocking down threes, but what are you going to do in the playoff series when, when the games are more slower pace and everything like that? What do you think Doc's going to do with the playoff rotation and the bench? We've seen them 10 deep, 11 deep at times. You know, What's he going to do in terms of shortening the bench? And who's going to be in and out of the rotation? You think? And don't say no, Mike I, Scott. Uh, so you don't like Mike, huh? Has an anti-Mike Scott zone. <laughs> now here's the thing about when we talk about that, and and here's a key that lets you know that probably Mike Scott won't be in a rotation, is that he's had Matisse Thybulle in lately guarding bigs, right? And he's been doing a fairly you know, pretty good job of doing it. So um, I look at Matisse is going to be in a rotation. Um, you know, I also look at uh, what's his name. Um, I think we're going to see um, George Hill, Dwight Howard, Matisse, and Shake Milton. You know, now I, I think that uh, Furcon will be like a situational guy. You know, Doc. When you ask Doc, he says, "Oh man, we can, we got twelve guys that are available to play, right?" But when you look at his stuff with last year with the Clippers. He basically had nine guys who consistently played, right? Nine guys rotation. But what he also had was he had a couple other guys, depending on the circumstances, will come in. Now, they may play a minute. They play, may play two minutes. But it always depended on the circumstances. So when I look at it, and, and the guys that I mentioned, um, Dwight, George Hill, 
Matisse, and possibly and Shake. I look at those guys as being his four, and then a guy like Maxi and and Furcon could be those situational guys who come in and, and give them a couple minutes. How healthy is this team going into the last week of the season? I know everybody's got bumps and bruises at this point, but compared to the last few seasons with the Sixers, how much better off are they? You know what? Compared to the last two seasons, they're yeah, a, a way better. I mean, because if you think about it, you know, Joel. I remember uh, four games uh, before the playoffs start. You know, he had a bad sprain. You know, sprain to his ankle. Like he twisted it. Like he came back and he played like two games later, but. You know, he had that problem. He also had problems with his shoulder. We we know he had problems with his hand. You know, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons just came back from, like, you know, um, a back injury. Like, if the playoffs would have been – if there was a non-pandemic season, you know, Ben Simmons wouldn't have been able to play in the playoffs. So, even down at Tobias was playing with a little, little nicked up. So, you know, right now they have bumps and bruises. But when you compare their bumps and bruises to other teams comparable to where they were last year compared to other teams, like I, I have to say that they're in, in much better shape than from a year ago. Ben had the last second to put back to win the game this week on Joel's shot. He looked more aggressive, taking a turnaround jumper in the game the other night. What's your thoughts on Ben and his confidence and the role that he's going to play here? Because Doc, whenever he's asked about, you know, you guys will ask him about Ben scoring. He don't want to hear about that. They go to Ben's defense. Okay. Uh, when we get into a, a half court game in the playoffs and, and things get tight, what are we going to see here? I mean, that's the million dollar question. Um, you know, the thing is, I think that if if they were a hundred percent comfortable in that, I don't think they would have went after George Hill, you know? And, and what I'm saying is like George Hill is going to be someone who, you know, joined it. Ben, they kept saying he's a multifaceted player. That's all they kept telling us, right? He doesn't shoot, but he's a multifaceted player. Well, they know just like everyone else that what people are going to do is they're going to sag off of Ben in the playoffs. So with Ben being that multifaceted, with, with Tobias being interchangeable with the three and the four, you know, I, I look at certain um, um, lineups where they'll have George Hill running the one, and you'll have Ben possibly at, I mean, excuse me, Ben at, at the four, and they'll have Tobias at the three, you know. That's what I see because, you know, the, the problem is that, you know, until Ben makes that shot, until he makes it, or, you know, people are going to sag off of him, and he's going to be ineffective. Now, now he can make a couple of them in a row, and it may change stuff, but with Ben on the floor, um, running the point guard position in a half-court setting in the playoffs, shots are going to be hard to come by because people are going to double-team Joel. Ben's going to be wide open. Everybody's going to be in the paint. It, it's just going to be tough. And I think that if they were 100% confident, or and, and, and as they say they are, they would not have gone out there and got a George Hill. Well, here's my other nightmare scenario. I'm not worried so much about them sagging off. What I'm worried about is that when you're in a close game, can Ben be anywhere near the basketball? Because Ben seems to be uh, regressing again with regard to his free, free throw shooting. Are they going to be able to have him in at the end of the game? Yeah, see, that's another tough one because it's going to be the hack of Ben coming out. You know, and, and but I think, you know what, it, it, it's, it's really, it's going to depend on the situation, I think. Because, you know, you're going to hope and pray that he's going to feel comfortable and confident enough to make the shot. But the thing is, 
you know, if you really want to win, and we let's face it, it's going to be a lot of pressure on the Sixers this year, on Doc Rivers, on Daryl Morey, on everyone, the Sixers, to get out of that second round. And if he's struggling and if you really want to win, I think that it's going to, if he's not making shots, he, he probably is not going to be on the floor that way. And the reason why I'm saying that is because then it becomes bigger than a player. You know, it's like, okay, are we going to, you know, say that, okay, we, we want him in here, we don't want him to lose confidence, but we're going to go down, you know, knowing that everyone's going to put him at the foul line, or are we going to take him out there and bring in guys who are better three-throw shooters? So I think that, you know, with that being said, if 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 it came down to it, yes, I could see him not closing out games if he's not making three-throws. All right, I got to ask you a non-Sixers question. How sympathetic are you towards LeBron James and Mark Cuban complaining about the plan? You know, that that's the crazy thing because, you know, Mark Cuban was one of the guys who voted for it, who agreed didn't on LeBron's it. And, and go ahead and say that. Didn't LeBron support it at one point too? Well, here's the thing. This is the deal. So let's let's keep it one hundred. Let's keep it real. So if your team is one of the top one of the top six teams or one of the top four teams, you love it because guess what? You don't have to play in it. You know your seeding is going to be there. Now, if you're like LeBron James and your team is like hovering anywhere from seven and eight or, you know, seven and eight, heck no, you don't want to have a play-in game because then here's the deal. Then you, if you lose, the first of all, you have extra games to play. And if you lose that, you don't go to the playoffs, the real playoffs. So it's like now it's like, oh, well, if you're eighth, you don't want the play-in game because that means you're going to go to the playoffs. But 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 if if I mean you know but if if you're like number four, of course you want it. See the thing is, I think like Mark Cuban, he saw how his team was last year. You know, he felt like we're we're not going to be affected by it. We're going to have a quality team, and they underachieved. The Lakers were what the the defending NBA champions. They expected to come out of the West as the top seed. So right about now, you know, I understand it. They just don't want to play in the thing because it's going to the playing game is basically going to hinder or or decide if they're going to make the playoffs or not, and they don't want that. All right, Keith, I'm going to ask what I call the Jeff question. It'll be my last one. Oh, great. Jeff is no fan of load management, and we see all of these games where teams have their stars not playing, lots of back-to-backs. I get COVID and scheduling and challenges this year. The NBA happy with the product they're putting out on the court with all these games where stars are in nice clothes on the bench and G League guys are out there. You know, you had the other night, what did Houston have? Seven guys out there to play and, and uh, Porter gets hurt and they got six guys out there to play. Is that what they want? You know, it's not what they want, but it's kind of like what they what they bargained for. I mean, I mean, when you think about it, it's it's. Here you go. You got seventy. The Sixers are playing seventy-two games over around a hundred and forty-five days. Now, when you when you think of that, you think about okay, they were all for a week for the All Star break, right? And, and you and you think about like there are certain times where they had two days off in between games, but then they're playing something like five games and seven nights. I mean, it's crazy. So. You know, my thing is, like, the league and the players and everyone knows, in order for teams to get their um, TV money deal, 
you have to play at least 70 games, right? So they say we're going to play 72. So it's all about teams getting money. Players, some players are getting injured because of they're playing a bunch of games. So I think, like, while the league probably does not like the product, they know that the players are saying, listen, we're just basically playing all these games so the owners can get this extra TV bonus, right? So I don't really have a problem with it. Now, don't get me wrong, it's crazy, it's bad basketball, but at the same time you can understand where if you're, you have a team and you have a chance of contending, why you don't want to play. You know, LeBron James was hurt twice. You know, um, um, there are, Jamal Murray is out for the year. There's other guys who are going down and uh, and, and falling and, and, and becoming injured. So to me, it's just when you think of 72 games over 145 days, that's a lot. I'm, I'm tired from traveling. I don't even play. I was going to ask, how are you holding up, Keith? <laughs> hey, bro, a man is tired. <laughs> well, you got a game tonight, regular season coming to a close. Everybody should follow Keith at Pompeii on Sixers, read him in the Inquirer, listen to his podcast. Keith, thanks for the time as always. And uh, and send him lots of Cowboys love. I'm really not sorry the Eagles jumped above you guys. I'm really not. But thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? Hey, uh, you just better hope he's not Fred X. <laughs> hey, he'd be there. Let me have hope for a little bit. We got Dave Spadaro on next. But he's going to tell me why he's not going to be Fred X. He'd be Jerry Rice. So we're going to get okay. to that in a minute. <laughs> All right, bye. All right, see y'all. Bye. Take care. I didn't want to throw Keith on the spot there, but Mm -hmm. but you did. I don't know. Not on on Ben. I'm of the opinion you even put him on the spot so you would get somebody else to take me out to dinner, so you didn't even have to do that. By the way, I'd like to point out I did offer to take you out to dinner, and your response was maybe we should be see a game. So we did discuss the idea. That's that's right. So I take it all back. So you are ripping me for being. Bad co-host. When in reality, I have offered before Keith did. No offense to Keith offering later. Yeah. I'm saying I was there for you. All right, where's the tickets? Let's go. I profound. You said, "Take me out to the ball game." Let's my go. Thought is, I think that Ben is playing for staying a Sixer. This organization, the leadership right now, the coach, the general manager, you know, Daryl Morey, they have no loyalty to Ben. They're not the people who selected him. They're not the like the ownership might. I think they're. Fr- I think they're. I think they're frustrated by him too. So do I. Because uh, I don't know how you can't be. I mean, Ben has so much potential. And let, let's say that he never gets better as a shooter, as a perimeter shooter. All the other aspects other than his defense have regressed. This guy went from a triple-double machine to coming up with on a lot of nights, I'll look at the box score and go, he has three rebounds. Five and two assists. And, and you're going, what happened to that part of his game? Where did it go? And, and, and so I, I think that, look, we know they tried to move at the deadline before that. We do you think he's hurt? Do you think, do you think that, that, that there's something going on there? I don't know what's going on, but I don't think that the people in power are going to have patience for him going through this another year. They didn't select him. He's not their guy. And I don't know that they're going to show him that loyalty just because he wasn't on this year. Well, look, this team was put together for, for, this year, I think, I think that they did it. Maury did a great job of, of reconstituting this roster. And and the question is, I mean, nobody anticipated the big three that was going to come out of New Jersey. No, I'm sorry. I said New Jersey, but I meant Brooklyn. Uh, yes. Call me old, uh, a year older. Um, 
take you out to dinner. So I'm not, I'm not saying but, anything. But, but, you know, I didn't get, we didn't get to ask him this, but my question is, is who's guarding the big three? Okay. So you know that you, you assume Embiid is going to guard Durant, right? Okay. So if that happens, who's Ben guarding? Is Ben guarding Harden or is he guarding Irving? And then who's guarding the other one? And then who else is in the game? Is it Green? Is Green going to be, is Green guarding the other of the big three that Ben and Joel is not, are not? I'm, I'm not sure. That's what I'm worried about. Like, I'm not so much worried about it with Milwaukee, although I think Milwaukee is better this year because I think Drew Holiday was a huge upgrade. Is it Tobias Harris who gets that assignment? I don't know. I don't, I, I you mean, look, I like to, Tobias a lot, but I don't see him as a great defender. And you have, you have three great scorers on the Nets. Great scores, not really good scores. You have three, three guys that are going to the hall of fame because of their scoring, not because of their defense. Does Matisse get more run then you let you go with a a lineup that Matisse is in and let Joel. Can can you play Matisse and Ben at the same time? Defensively you can offensively. Well, yeah, but you don't, you can't, you don't have that many timeouts. This isn't hockey. You can't do line changes like this. You know, (laughs) you only have a certain number of timeouts that you can do. So how do you deal with that? That's, that's what I'm worried. You can't have Matisse and Ben on the court at the same time. I don't see how you can do it. I would love to see Doc Rivers on the sidelines yelling, change! <laughs> like everybody just hops over the line and gets on the court. I mean, you ever think about, I never ask you this, you ever think about if like sports had rules of other sports, like somebody could come on and, you know. just We should do a whole show with that. One day. One yeah. day. Uh-huh. Just, we'll we got, have just have a fun day. We got but, since, but since we're talking about change, can we talk? I know there's nothing in Philadelphia to talk hockey. Talk hockey. There was enough news this week in hockey that it is worth talking about. Yes. Dave Sparrow should be joining us in a few minutes. We'll talk some Eagles. Jeff, uh, this week in, in hockey world, obviously the Flyers are the Flyers. We can get to them if we want. But the Rangers and the Capitals had a little throwback to old school hockey. There was a hit by Tom Wilson against uh, Antonin Panarin uh, in the game. It was not taken kindly by the Rangers. There was no discipline from the NHL office in terms of suspensions for him. The next game, they gave him the maximum, they gave him the maximum monetary fund. The next game we saw gloves dropped from all five players on each team to when the puck dropped. The only person who's been suspended out of this whole thing is one of the Rangers who cross-checked somebody during that incident. <laughs> Uh, and then the Rangers were fined, I believe, $250,000 for talking about the fact that they did not suspend Tom Wilson. That's my favorite part. What my they- favorite part of the whole story is that a guy who is known as a cheap shot artist, the most dangerous person in the game, the guy who goes out there and has been suspended by the league before this, I believe, five times. And, and he goes out there and he's in a fight and somehow he grabs Panarin. And, and then and shoves his head into the ice and and gets virtually nothing for it. And then somehow the Rangers get penalized $250,000 for criticizing that the league didn't do what it was supposed to do. Yeah, I was really surprised that and then and then Flyers fans lost their minds because Shane Gossesberg got a two game suspension for basically uh, cross checking, pushing somebody who slid into the boards in a game two. There's been consistent li- consistency on 
the on everything. Let's let's go back to the the hockey in a minute, Jeff. Why don't we go to some football? Because we know that Dave Spadaro's busy news breaking out there all day on the Eagles. Dave Spadaro, how are you doing today, man? Still on a draft high? Hey guys, how are you? No, I'm not on um, a draft high at all. Over the draft. <laughs> I can't like, yeah. coming in next week and I really honestly I can't see the kids come in next week and at least run around and, and show what they can do in shorts and stuff. But uh, you know, it was a fun draft. Certainly the first round, and um, I think everybody's really excited to see what a, uh, I think a wide receiver that consensus, the consensus is, uh, can come in and contribute right away. They obviously, look, I gave Howie a lot of credit on the show last week. They read the board right, moving back and then up, getting the first round pick, getting Devontae, rave reviews for it. What's the sense in the building about getting their guy? Are they as happy as it seems that they are right now? The reviews are very good. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Look, I mean, this team needs a lot of work. And, um, you know, one player is not going to reverse the fortunes of the Philadelphia Eagles in 2021. And they've been trying for so long to get the wide receiver position right, using a lot of high draft picks. And I I think they feel really good about Devontae. And he he came in, he's really an impressive kid. And um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. But, honestly, you – love it you evaluate it and then you kind of go all right let's see what he's got when he comes in and and so that's kind of where they are now getting ready for the rookie camp which starts on friday and uh and seeing how Devonte absorbs the offense and absorbs the information which should not be a problem but for sure uh the, the move to get an additional number one pick next year and then moving two spaces up to get Devontae and only giving up a third round pick uh, is a very good net net for the Philadelphia Eagles. To, to me, the big, the big news out of that is you're watching the draft as it's happening is when you hear Eagles and Cowboys work out a trade, how does that even happen nowadays? It happened. It happened last year. It happens a lot. Right. I think it's happened like five times since 2000. Five or six times. It just, you know, look at it on in draft weekend. It's you just have to look at your roster and say, is this the best thing for my roster? You can't project what might be good for the Dallas Cowboys or might be detrimental for them. You just have to do what is right for your football team. So the Cowboys felt they could move back and still get their guy, and I'm sure they're very happy with Micah Parsons. And they pick up an additional third round draft pick. And and uh, like last year, the Eagles made a trade and. That the, the the player that the Cowboys drafted could be the starting center for the Cowboys for many years. So um, at the time, the Eagles' focus was on the Philadelphia Eagles. So it really does happen. Look, Donovan McNabb got traded to the Washington back then Redskins. That's crazy. But, you know, it happens. When you look at the second-round pick in Landon Dickerson, the offensive line obviously is going to need help over the coming years. Do you think that he was the right pick at that spot, or was there somebody else that you would have liked at that spot? Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't ever say that there's somebody else because I don't study the draft. Mm-hmm. So I think it's such a disservice that media who don't watch every play can offer an evaluation on a player, which I just don't think is fair. So I don't know. I didn't look after the first. 10, 20 players, I honestly don't even – I don't really watch much college football. I evaluate the players when they become Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, but I can tell you what they thought about Landon. They, they thought that Landon was uh, in that range, the upside, and his grade was so high. Uh, and there's – you know, look, there, there's an opportunity. Obviously, he's, there's a risk with the injuries. But I don't anticipate him really being a factor this year. And so you give him a year to get healthy. 
and then you hope that you've got a, a 10-year All-Pro playing at one of your interior guard positions or your center position. And they felt that at that point, his upside was so much higher than anybody else on the board. So I get it. There's other needs. You don't want to draft for needs. You want to draft. You want to trust your board. That's what they did. Um, we'll see if it works out. But I think everybody needs to mark it down and see if it was a risk worth taking or if it won, if it's one that comes back to bite the Philadelphia Eagles, as has happened in the past, a la Sidney Jones. Uh, I do. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the new coach. I only get to see what I see on TV and in interviews. You're somebody who's been able to talk to him a little bit. What's your sense? Uh, it seems like he's a, a player friendly guy. What's your sense sitting to him, getting to talk at the nose a little bit? You know, you know, I'd rather ask you, what is your perception based on what you've seen of him, what you've heard about him of Nick Sirianni? And then I will tell you what I, because I met him for the first time in person last weekend. So I'm just going to, I'm going to give this to Jason because, because Jason's the social media guy. And I think he has an interesting spin on this. I think that there's been an overreaction to the things that people have seen. You know, he's, he's a coach. He's not a media maven. And he seems to be very focused on coaching. And frankly, in the end, if he's a good coach that relates to the players, I could really care less whether he gives a good interview. So for me, I'm not overreacting to, you know, the fact that they, you know, ask them questions about, Jeopardy or something else like I, you want to get creative. That's fine. I'm curious more to see what type of offense they install, what type of defense they run. And I haven't really made any judgment on that. So I'm not down on it. I like his passion and excitement um, for a, what will be a young team to coach. I think that might be good to have that enthusiasm and new voice in the building, but I'm not the overreactor. Uh, you know, I, I question maybe like, okay, well, why did they do that? But I don't, I don't think that anything I've seen has really been bad yet. I think that the jump to a reaction is what, what really happens all the time is people try and form an initial opinion and then they don't get off that opinion. So somebody didn't like his first press conference, therefore they're not going to like him. And that's ridiculous. He's a good coach. Who cares how his first press conference went? Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, I, what I've seen of people of the perception of Nick is that he's a yes man and he's soft. And, and so last Thursday night, uh, I saw him for the first time, met him face to face for the first time. He walked out of the building. I was like, wow, who's that guy? He's tall. So he's bigger. He's ripped. He's jacked. Gets in the car, filled with personality, sees some fans, yells out to the fans, rolls down the window, has some fun with them, gets into the stadium. We're, we're there for the NFL draft, the Eagles draft party. He goes, hey, hey, hey we're, we're supposed to go up to like the platform and just say, say a few words to the fans. Thanks, thanks for coming. Exciting weekend ahead, blah, blah, blah. And he sees some fans throwing a football around in Headhouse Plaza, and he goes out there and says, I got to go have a catch with these guys. Goes out and have a catch with the fans. Says his piece, does his piece, does a really nice job. Signs some autographs on the way out, some selfies, throws a football around. I mean, he's so engaging. He's so the man. He's so intense. He will rip your nose off and shove it down your mouth. And so it makes me laugh that people think that he's soft and he's just, I, he's so intense. He's, I can't wait to see what he's like on the, on the sidelines. I can't wait to see what he's like for the players with the players. Uh, love Doug and everything. I, I think that Nick's style is going to be different. He's going to be much more demanding, much more intense with the players. We'll see how that plays, of course. And, and I could be wrong. I'm just guessing here. But based on his personality, 
I mean, he, he takes over the room. And um, so the media perception of him kind of being this, this, you know, funny lollygagging is like so wrong, dead wrong. And in time, fans will find that out. See, and I'll tell you, anybody who's listening to this right now, who's an Eagles fan, is going to feel completely different probably than they felt before you said that. Because I think, and I, and I don't think it, it's, it's great. It's yeah, see, I, I don't, but I don't, I don't think it's because it's not Nick necessarily. It's not this coach. It's because we just went through Gabe Kapler in a different sport. And I, and I think that, that the city is wary of that. And hearing from somebody who's inside who gets to see this, that he is the kind of guy who's going to bite off your nose and, and he's going to do those kind of things. We haven't seen that yet. So hearing from somebody that that's the way that he can be can change his perception. He just needs to get out there. He doesn't need to start screaming at people. He doesn't need to snarl at people and from a press conference. But people need to see that. Like, if I were the Eagles, what well, I would look, do virtual, is I would be showing a really lot hard. of these. Huh? No, it's, it's virtual right now. And that's what makes it very, very difficult to, <clears throat> to judge somebody. And plus, you know, one thing I noticed this weekend was now that he actually has players to talk about, and football to talk about, he's, that's, that's his element. You know, the first several months here, right, has been speculation. He's, he's spending his time watching film. He doesn't really yet have a handle on the team, etc. Now that he's got a draft pick, nine draft picks to talk about, and he can get, go into the X's and O's, you go, oh, wow, it's really detailed here. I get it. I, I'm hearing more of his philosophy. I'm hearing more of his, his approach, his methods. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see what Nick does. I think this football team has a lot of work to do. But the young coaching staff, um, the, the accountability that this coaching staff is going to have um, for the players is going to be something that this team needs after a really bad 2020 season. I'm just curious, uh, before we let you go, I know you're, you're busy. Zach Ertz is still on the team a lot of people thought he would be dealt before questions, you know, his salary cap number. Um, your thoughts on, on where that goes and if, if he's an Eagle when this all starts. Yeah, I don't know. Um, he's a Philadelphia Eagle right now. I don't, I mean, look, there clearly wasn't the market that how he thought, or he's waiting until the post June first time to really, to, to make a deal with the Eagles, just flat out release. Zach Ertz, I don't really see the benefit of that, right? You're not going to get anything for him. If you keep him in 2021 and he has a good year and he goes sign somewhere else, you get a compensatory draft pick. You make a trade, you get something back. Why would you just release somebody and then have a big hole in your roster? So that's the Eagles' perspective, I think. Um, he's a good player. We all love him. He and, he and Dallas Goddard will form a very nice one-two situation. Now, how does Zach Ertz feel about that? I don't know. I mean, sometimes you have to open up your eyes and see what – the rest of the world is, is thinks of you. And is he going to go out there and make more? Is he going to go out there and make a, a killing with a new contract? Uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't look like it right now after the year he had. So maybe Zach Ertz needs to reevaluate his situation as the Eagles, you know, did what they could to see to gauge the market. And clearly the market was not uh, to their liking. All right. Last question. May 7th, 2021, compared to May 7th, 2020, how does Dave Spadaro feel about the Eagles? Oh, it's a totally different situation. It's a rebuilding situation, right? Like last year, we were thinking 
and his team's gonna gonna get back to a nice run in 2019, gets the playoffs. Carson's hot, you know, offensive line will be healthy. Why can't this team make a, a good run? And so you see how quickly things change in the NFL. Um, and now the Eagles are a fourth place team playing a fourth place schedule. Uh, Carson Wentz is in Indianapolis. We got a kid, Jalen Hurts, who we got to see a little bit about last year and a coach that we have really no sense of. So uh, it is a reminder of how quickly things change in this league and uh, you never take anything for granted. Um, And I acknowledge that the Eagles have a lot of work to do to build this roster back up. There are some obvious holes on this roster that uh, they just couldn't fill. I mean, to me, it's a, it's a two, it's a two draft process. And you look at next year's draft with potentially three uh, first round draft picks and, you go, all right, well, let's see. The Eagles hopefully drafted really well in 2021. If they can draft really well in 2022, then they get back in the game. Um, but I'm optimistic because the offensive line comes back healthy, because the Eagles did suffer a lot of injuries last year, because the division is wide open, because it's a fourth-place schedule. So we'll see what happens. Very difficult to predict in the NFL, right? Uh, and I'm just. And the other thing, the big thing here is this. I'm really excited I'm, and hopeful that fans – will be coming back to fill up Lincoln Financial Field starting in September. Well, we will follow it all at Eagles Insider on Twitter. Follow your work on the Eagles website. Dave, thanks for the time. As always, look forward to seeing your work and learning about this new team. Thanks, guys. So I'm a little, uh, the carry-on Johnson move just happened, so I'm scrambling a little bit, getting some work done. That's why we didn't ask you. Yeah, Eagles played a good running back. Yeah, yeah, nice running back on on, uh, waivers, no risk. And these are the kinds of moves that you really have to make to, to get back to the top of the NFC East. Sounds good. We weren't going to put you on the spot as you got your information. Thanks for the little evaluation there. We'll look for more. Thanks so much. Have a good one. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. Take care. Jeff, it's it, um, very candid, again, uh, about what it is. It is definitely a different feel in that building. And I saw the video come out of Nick Sirianni throwing the football with the, uh, with the fans out there. Look, I'm, I'm looking yeah, for, but, but that, but that part doesn't matter to me. Like, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad Dave presents that because it, it, he's likable, but I don't think likable was his problem. I, I, th- I don't think that was the problem at all. I truly believe that, that he is now a victim of what we all just went through in a different sport in this city is that nobody wants the Gabe Kapler right now. Nobody wants the, the goofy guy, rah, rah kind of stuff. They, and especially in football, didn't I tell, I said this to you last week, people want to see a leader and, and, and leaders are positive, but leaders are also tough at times, especially when you're playing a game like football. And I have not, I haven't seen, at least through the media that I've watched, I haven't seen him act like that. And he hasn't had that opportunity. Dave came on here, and I'm telling you, that kind of comment, it, it, when it is backed up with video that we will see once they are all in that place, as opposed to these virtual things, is going to change his, the perception of him in the city and make him more likable. Well, and that's why I asked him. I mean, he's somebody who's gotten to see him. We haven't been able to do that. The media hasn't been able to do that because things aren't in person yet. They are on Zoom. And so, you know, your idea of getting him out there while great is just not feasible right now. And so mm-hmm. people are going to have to learn slowly. Jeff, why don't we hit the break when we come back? We still have plenty more to talk about. Sound good? Sounds good.
All right, stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. If you're watching on the live stream, Jeff has turned off his oh camera as God. we play the happy birthday music on the bumper back. Nice job. Who was that? It was Vito singing on the other side of the glass. Wow. Really? You couldn't like do like the Marilyn Monroe version or something like that, huh? He's over there and uh, singing himself. So no, he didn't jump out of a cake for you, but we did recognize your birthday. Well, so no, we're... that is the greatest gift of all. That we he didn't jump out. Yeah, that neither one of you jumped out of a cake. <laughs> I always tell you, it could be worse with me, Jeff. I just set the bar low. <laughs> uh, you know, you know what? That's what I just thought of your birthday gift. I'm going to get you a t-shirt saying it could be worse. <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> That's what it'll say in there. I tell people all the time, if I set the bar low, I can exceed expectations. Yeah. And Vito, Vito, you're going to get your wish, man. I'm going to come back to the studio next week. So you may not want to keep saying that. Yeah. You're going to have to actually see Jeff now. We'll mm -hmm. see. Yeah. That. Jeff, we got about 11 minutes left in the show. Why don't we get to some? I got a question for you then. I don't okay. think. I know you're going to be shocked that I'm going to ask this question before baseball, but um, I don't understand the union. So they, they play in an international competition and they're now in the semifinals. Yes. They, they play in their regular MLS league. Philadelphia they, union soccer team, not yeah. like the labor union or anything like that. The union. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not complaining about the NHL union. Right Just now. making sure we're clear. Yeah. And, and then they, and then they play in the MLS league and they can't win a game. <laughs> so how, how is that? If, what what is it about this team? Are they getting up for this big game, or is it just luck of the draw? I mean, it seems like they're playing harder competition in the Concacaf than they are playing in the MLS. But for some reason, they're not they're not scoring in the MLS games. They are still undefeated in international competition. Uh, they tied one one against Atlanta at home the other night, and then Jim Curtin was salty. Jack. Yeah, and so so we're not allowed to say the word that he said, but I can tell you, anybody who has seen that, that's what they want to hear Sirianni do. Okay, yeah. Jim Curtin made himself a legend in this city with yeah. what he said. Went crazy on Twitter with mm -hmm. what he said. I mean, they already liked him. He's a Philly guy. He gets it. And we've talked to him. We always enjoy talking to him when we get to. But I mean, that's so can I ask you a question as a, as, as a social media guy? OK, if if you were running the the uh, public relations side of Philadelphia Union, normally when a coach says something uh, off color, um, they cringe. No, I think they but put do, it the next day. Huh? I think they put it out the next day. No, no, I know. But at the moment it happens, do you realize at that moment, do you go, oh, no, or, or, do, you, or do you think they know at that moment, you know what, this right. is gold? So as somebody who searches for content all day long when you're a digital media person, right? any content is good content. Whether you use it or not, it gives you an option. So you're I mean, in this case, it was. 
But then you see it and you go, oh, jackpot, <laughs> because then you get memes out of it. You can have images with the quote on it. You have the video. So people are going to eat that content up and look to see that fire from Curtin is something that you want to see. He doesn't mm-hmm. want his team to be pushed around anymore. He wants them to get respect. They won the Supporter Shield last year. They're the only undefeated team in international play. Yes, we can talk about how they have one tie and one loss this season. It was a terrible foul. They got a red card by Martinez early in the game. And if you saw in Jonathan Tannenwald's story in the Inquirer, Curtin was very critical of Martinez taking the red card, saying he'd have to be better in future games because they're a different team when he's not on the field. So this is a more vocal Jim Curtin publicly than we've seen on a lot of fronts right now. Yeah, but can this team, so, but it doesn't explain why they're, they're up, they get up for these CONCACAF games and aren't getting up for these MLS games. And is the question is, is the two guys that we lost, the three guys that we lost from, from last year, are they that integral? And will we be able to fix this? Because, you know, I, I was texting you during two of the games saying, I think Flock is the weak link here. And yet, he raved about him in the CONCACAF match. I know, but, played- but I don't see it. I, I see a guy who, who does it. He, a couple of shots, he, he's not getting his foot on the ball, right? He's not, there's just, I don't know. There's just something about him that it's, yeah, I just don't sit there and go, wow. So I think that one, it's not a finished product. They're going to keep adding players to this team. You've seen it with the international money. That, that's it. So when do we see Aronson part two? Well, I don't know if it'll be Aaron's in part two or if it'll be somebody they bring in with their international money. You, you see rumors of Ernst Tanner out there talking to players. You've also had some injured guys off. Now, I have more concern about the El Sinos on this team because it kind of seems like teams have figured that out a little bit that they bring him in. He tries to go one V one on the side and mm-hmm. that's the move. And so, you know, well, I, yeah, but it's still it, that, that still works as long as you have other firepower, right? Long, that's the key word last mm-hmm. year. They had other firepower this season, other than Shabilko and Fontana, they just haven't really had that from goal scorers. So right. you know, we'll see. We'll try and get Curtin on in a few weeks. Always. All right. Up. Let's, let's talk a tiny bit of fills here. You'll, you'll let me talk Phillies 17, yes. 15 overall 13 and six at home after first place when Zach Wheeler gets a complete game shutout yesterday, 118 pitches gives up three hits on just on, on eight K's in the four game sweep. They got a total of five runs, all four victories decided by one run or one or two runs. Things you wouldn't have said two weeks ago, Jeff, the Phillies have the same record as the Dodgers. The only team with more wins is Oakland. Austin, San Francisco, San Diego, and St. Louis. Right. Those are the only teams with more wins. Mm -hmm. Before I get to the starting staff and tell you just how dominant they've been, how do you feel about this team right now? Wait, you're going to tell me the whole starting staff is dominant or just just the the top three? Who have combined to throw 130 innings more than any starter trio. Yeah. Wheeler's got a 2.83 ERA and 47 innings pitched. Aaron Knoll's got a 2.89 ERA and 43 innings pitched. And Zach Eflin has a 38.2 or a 30.3.49 ERA and 38 innings pitched. Okay. Well, now get to Chase Anderson, Matt Moore, and Vince Velasquez. And and don't t- I don't want to hear boy, Vince Velasquez recovered well from from Her, having a disastrous first inning. I did not even text you. I saved it for the show. Of course you did. Girardi said that he has earned another shot, Jeff. How does earned that make- a, Earned another start or another yeah. shot? Another start. Oh, okay, fine. He can have oh. one of the start because they don't have it. Who else are they going to bring? 
Didn't they? They just brought up Ranger Suarez. Is can Ranger start? <laughs> I don't know what this. Team I mean, is. is he stretched out to the point that he could start? Because I'd rather have Ranger Suarez in there. Well, Vinny, stuck- and, and I'm not telling you he's he's going to be he's going to take over the one, two, or three slot. I'm just saying that I, I think I've seen this story before with Vince Velasquez. You get one out of every six or seven starts where he got you go. Okay, he's shown some promise, and we all know what's going to come. So should I? I wish I was wrong. I, I want to root for the guy. He seems like a good guy too. But so, we've Mark, seen this for years now. Mark the tape, and I'm not saying you're wrong. But by your logic, I should yeah. not have my phone on tomorrow night for when you start blowing me up with text messages with Vinny starting again. No, in fact, I, I'm not even going to text you because I'm going to go see. I'm going to go see Scherzer versus Kluber. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to see a good pitching matchup tomorrow. Yeah, you're going off to the Yankee Stadium to avoid <laughs> seeing. People That's out. right. I'm driving two hours to merely avoid some injury changes this week. Bryce Harper missed a couple games with his wrist. It appears he's back in the lineup tonight. Gene Segura has been out. Uh, for a couple games, uh, I believe it was a hamstring he had. He's back in the lineup tonight. Roman Quinn makes like the best play he's made as a Philly, and then the next day gets hit in the hand with a ball. And you're texting me, and you're going, "He's okay. He's staying in the game." And I go, "All right, we'll see how he is tomorrow." And you go, "He's shaking his hand." And then the next text message I get from you, he's out of the game. <laughs> yeah, and and, and and again, it is not his fault. He got hit by a pitch. Oh well. It, it was partly his fault because he was bunting. So he didn't have his hand position right for bunting, I don't think. But he is so snake bitten. And every time you see the promise, I mean, he had he had three hits in the previous three games, two of which were triples. And you saw the potential of that speed. And then all of a sudden, something happened. Like, it, it's just not, it's not his fault half the time, but it's just something happens. And you just go, oh, not again. By the way, while you go see the good pitching matchup, yeah, producer Mike Vito, who people can't see or hear, he will be in Atlanta watching Vinny Velasquez tomorrow evening. So he can give us a firsthand report. Is, by the way, it is a great stadium night in Atlanta with Vinny pitching. Yeah, it is. Well, and if and if you really need to crave another one of those frustrating pitchers, you can drive down the road on Sunday and you can see Nick Pavetta pitch for the uh, against the Orioles. <laughs> that'll, that'll serve people well we've got <laughs> two minutes left jeff what else you want to talk the the nhl has a new uh tv deal and i know you hate when i talk tv but i actually think right. it's huge for the leak have you seen it they're not going to be on uh nbc anymore they'll be on tnt and espn oh no are they gonna they're gonna lose the music i think so oh what do you then how could you possibly think it's a good idea I, I said, I think it's good for the NHL for their brand. They'll be back on ESPN, which they're right. not on. They're getting, and they, their old deal was 200. Well, the Flyers won't. <laughs> their, their old deal was $200 million a year. Now they're going to get paid $625 million a year under their okay. new contract. I, I just, I know you hate when I bring it up, but I think it's a good move for the NHL. In the meantime, playoffs may be disrupted by border issues, Jeff. The NHL doesn't want to have a bubble. And so you've got the Canada group that are going to play and the American, mm-hmm. but at some point they're going to have to play each other. And they got some border issues there that they got to figure out. You're going to be. I don't know. I, 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 these, the these border, you know what I'll tell you, 
these border, I was talking to someone yesterday about this, is these border issues are going to create problems with expansion down the line. Not that many, many people pick, care, but, you know, like there's a, there's a whole arena built into Quebec because they keep thinking they're getting a hockey team back. They're not getting a hockey team back. I mean, I mean look, does anybody know where the Toronto Blue Jays are playing right now? Dunedin. Right. And do you know where they're playing starting June 1st? Buffalo. Buffalo, which well, is, I you know, know an hour down the road. And, and they, they can't get that. into their own city, huh? God, why do I even know that? Do you know how much useless sports knowledge is in my head that could be taken up by good, important things in life? Instead, no. I know where the Blue Jays play today and where they'll play next week. It, it's but, baffling to me. And, and by the way, where are the Bison playing? Because they have to get kicked out so the Blue Jays can play there. Those poor Buffalo. They're playing in Trenton. Any final thoughts, Jeff? 15 seconds? That minor league baseball is back. Happy birthday. That's my final thought. Still not singing to you. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.